0: Hello, everyone. Um, Welcome to the 100 Pounders phone meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. My name is Hank Nyer. I I believe in giving my last name and I'll tell you why. Because God forbid one of us is in the hospital and somebody wants to make an outreach call to that person when they find out, uh, they don't know how to get in touch with them. It says at the level of press, radio, film and other public media communication. And I don't think that because I've been hospitalized and I've visited members of OA who've been in the hospital. So, I, I have a problem with people who always give their last name, but that's just me. You know, do whatever works for you. I've been in the program for over 34 years. Um, thank you, God. I'm down 100 and more than 150 pounds from my top weight, which was over 400 pounds. Um, I joined OA in my 40s. And I remember when I was in my 30s, the doctor said, Hank, if you don't do something about your weight, you won't live to see 50. Any sane person wouldn't have waited 15 or 20 years to do it. And actually, any sane person might not have had to been told that in the first place. But that's not really true, because food was uh, uh, something to um, absorb or quiet the anxiety that um, that most of us have felt. We didn't turn to foods, you know, because you we were happy, joyous, and free, that's for sure. At least I haven't met any compulsive overeater or any addict who picked up because they were happy, joyous, and free and wanted to uh, improve the quality of that happy, joyous, and free. Um, When I was five years old, I lived with my parents, my mother and father. I'm an only child. They're they're both deceased. And I lived with them until I was um, seven years old. And uh, my dad owned a luncheonette a candy store in the Bay Ridge section of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we were Jewish. We were the only Jewish family in that neighborhood. I think there were Italians and Swedes and Norwegians and all that. And I remember um, we had a Christmas tree and my father's family was Orthodox, kind of Orthodox Jewish. And one of his sisters came when she saw the tree, she made my her younger brother throw it out of the house or whatever. And when I was eight years old, they sold that store and they bought another one where they worked one week, from 4 to midnight, another week from 5 to 12. And my mother decided that I'd be better off living in a home, uh, living with her her mother, my grandmother. Well, what no one knew about my grandmother at that time was that she was senile. And um, I lived with her. And um, she would tell her, her, two, two of her daughters who were single, who spent most of their time with her, that I was stealing from her. And I never stole anything from my grandmother, and after she died, all and when I say all, I mean all my missing toys were in her pirate's chest thing. she was stealing from me, so that's the home that I lived in where a a, a grandmother told my cousins that I stole from her, my parents visited and then visited me and then left me there and it was It was really difficult i I had that feeling of being unloved, and I turned to food and Plus I had access to the candy store. Uh uh when I was eighteen, um I was given a key. I had a key, I because I would go with my dad to open up, help him open up, and, and I would go in there and I would take dates there and let the, and let girls make their own sodas in the in the in the thing and then we'd make out in the back. My dad had a little pot in the back of the in his of his store and we would fool around there. Um so uh went to college um in New Jersey. And uh, they were putting on a show. They were putting on a show called Guys and Dolls. And i that's my favorite musical. I saw it in the movies years before, and I, and I just loved the show. And I went to try out for audition for a part. I didn't know what I would get. I didn't know what I wanted, but I went to whatever they would do. And they cast me, because I was a big guy, as the villain, Big Julie. And I had my Brooklyn accent, which was kind of an Illinois accent. And I remember my opening line was, I came here to shoot trap. Let's shoot trap. And that kind of thing. And I said, I do not want to go to college. I wanted to be an actor. And my dad said, Well, you better find a job because I'm not supporting a starving actor, which he, starving was he, I don't think he meant it literal or literally or whatever. So one of his customers in the lunchonette ran a school that taught people how to um um Pass a, uh, an FCC license test because in those days radio—I don't think now radio stations needed a licensed engineer on the premises to make sure that their output of the signal was within limits. So I can't fix anything. I have trouble t- distinguishing between um, a hammer and a, and a screwdriver, uh, and this is the first time I've ever said this. I have no trouble distinguishing between a knife and a fork. Um, so I took the—I took the. The course, and I passed the test and um, um I don't know what happened next. I was at school. I remember with Kennedy and President Kennedy was assassinated. I was going to school, and all that kind of stuff and um I ended up dropping out of school and I joined the army and i and I joined the army and um hold on a second. Uh, um on um uh, I joined the army, and when I got out, a, a woman that I went to uh, school with introduced me to to her girlfriend on a blind date. I was thin yet; I, I weighed about 230 pounds. I had lost 50 pounds in the army, basic training, and all that other stuff. And um, uh, so I, I did that, and I, I met this girl, and we, we ended up getting married. Uh, and um, I started going. Oh, working and I gained the weight. Oh, she went away on a trip. We met on a blind date. We went out the next day. Uh, her family owned a, um, uh, rented a beach house in Rockaway, New York. And she invited me to that. We went on a date and she invited me. And I took my best friend and his fiancee out. We spent the day at the beach. And we were getting ready to leave. And I hadn't met the family yet. And her dad said, it was dinner time. It was like five, six o'clock. I said, we're saying voices. You're not going anyplace. We barbecue on Sundays. You're staying for dinner. And I was hooked. I married her in order to be her dad's son or son-in-law or whatever. And I tell people, if he was still alive today, I'd still be married. I wouldn't have done anything to hurt this man. While I was engaged to him, I got my first job in radio. It was 1965, 64, 65. I was 23, going on 24, going on 12. and. I was working, and I bought my first brand new car. And this man gave me put, gave me the money for the down payment on the car. I wish I had that car today. I'll tell you, if I had it now, I'd be almost a millionaire. It was a 1965 Plymouth Barracuda. It was navy blue with a light blue interior. So um, my payments were less than a hundred dollars a month. God, unbelievable. Those were the. I think it was. I think it was less than seventy dollars a month. So I, I stayed there, and I worked at the station. I was engaged. Um, things happened. I left that job. Got married, left that job, moved to Connecticut. Um, I, I, want, I, I wanted to go to a um, – so I went to Connecticut, where it was a, in a city, and it's called Norwich, near the Rhode Island border. And they hired me because I had this first-class radio telephone operator's license. That was a thing. And they also had me come in and I was responsible for turning the station on in the morning. So that taught me discipline about time. Uh, it had to go on at five minutes to six and, the, and we went off the air at midnight. So the teletype machine, uh, there, were, there were no computers then. It was a teletype machine and a typewriter um, type that kept running all night. So I had to do that and do that and I was responsible. And they had a disc jockey who um, uh, we became friends. He passed away some time ago. And uh, I picked his first record because I didn't know he was nervous. So he wanted that first record. I had the first record on. I knew he would always show up, and he did that, and then he picked the records. But he wanted that one on so he could get relaxed. So uh, I became very good at news. I I understood the thing. I remember when um, Bobby Kennedy was shot, um, the police department had my telephone number, and the, the whoever was on duty that night, it was midnight on the east coast of nine o'clock or eight o'clock in California when Kennedy was shot. He said, Hank, he called me to tell me, he said, Hank, you may want to get into the radio station a little bit early. You're gonna have a busy day. And I turned on the TV and watched that. And I got there at 4:30 instead of 5:30. And I localized the story. The main story was Kennedy being shot. But the, what I did is I called local political leaders to inform them and get their reaction. So I localized that, that's how I did it. And I was there about three years. And I said, I had I had to, this thing. I said, I have to find out if I can work in a city where I can compete with, com, I had no competition. So I, I sent a tape into a radio station in Toledo, Ohio. And the guy liked me, uh, and he hired me, but his, his boss didn't like me. He thought I was a pushy New Yorker and he fired me. And the guy who hired me quit in protest. We hadn't seen each other in, year, in decades, and we recently reconnected. He's, he's up in Washington State, and we talk on the telephone every now and then. But my plan worked out, because I auditioned at one of the other radio stations, and they hired me, and I stayed there for three years. And that's where I honed my skills. They had me do things, I, I did all that. They sent me to Detroit, to cover a story that had local things with uh, there. And I met the news director at a radio station in Detroit. And uh, he he and I took a liking to each other. He said, Hank, I'm in the process of uh, getting a job in New York City. If I get that job, you're gonna be the first person I hire. And it took about two months and he did. And so I went to New York, I'm home with my family. Uh, We have two kids now, we have a a daughter and, and my baby son and uh turned now in their early fifties, so this is telling you how long ago that was and I stayed there um and the station that hired me i, I did things that I, I was when um oh the scandal the water I don't know if it was it wasn't Watergate it was another scandal, maybe it was Watergate it was a scandal involving Nixon and whatever yeah it was, it was with watergate and uh um something happened, and I looked up. Uh, Senator Dirksen of North Carolina, his number was in the phone book, and I did an interview with him on the phone. Nobody had to tell me to do these things. I just knew them instinctively. So um, the guy who hired me got laid off, and I stayed on, and I got laid off, and I went to work at ABC, network news and radio, Um, uh, and there was a fire in Greenwich, Connecticut that killed a couple, killed uh, a lot of people, and I got and then there was a shooting at a church in Atlanta, and it, for the, and this was between 6 and 7 and 8 o'clock in the morning. I was able to get sound on both those stories, working for radio. Sound was very important. And then something else happened. Um, went to NBC, got laid off there, and we moved to California. I couldn't find work. And uh, my father-in-law had a friend who uh, owned a Midas muffler shop, and the idea was for me to learn the, that business. And my father-in-law would buy a shop for me, and he would come to work every day and watch me do it, and then the shop would be mine. But the guy, his friend, was a real jerk, in nice words. His son-in-law tried to have him killed, but he hired an undercover cop to do the job, so he was arrested. This guy fired people on the spot, fought with customers physically in the shop. And I remember on Passover, I'm Jewish, holiday, we, we received 400 pipes, and I had to stay there by myself to inventory the pipes and miss Passover. And this was done by a Jewish man. So I had my problems. I wanted to get back into radio and I sent some tapes out to California. Um, And we moved to California again. And we have been here and I got some job in radio and some other things, I became a headhunter. I got very, very heavy, um, over 400 pounds. And my life was going down the drain and uh, uh, my son was using drugs. And what he did, he, addicts, we were so cunning, we really are, he knew where I kept my checkbook. So he went not to the, he didn't take the top level where they give you 25 or 50, he went to the bottom. And my check started bouncing all over town. And one merchant called me while my son was still there. He said, I have to verify this. And that's how we found out. We went to tough love. And the woman who was in a, a committee, she took me under a belt. And she said, Hank, stop screwing around. Get your ass back to Overeaters Anonymous, and I'll, I'll never forget that. And that's what I did. I joined OA. Uh, I went to the 100 Pounders meeting. I had been there before, and I went to the one right before Thanksgiving. And my that's my or and that's my accident date, November 30th. November 30th, um, or right after Thanksgiving. It was right after Thanksgiving. It was the Wednesday after Thanksgiving that I went. November 30th. It was a 100 Pounders meeting back in LA. And my life changed. Um, I spoke from the podium at that first meeting. because I got there early? Somebody, did, those days we didn't say, "Would you like to share?" Somebody handed me a piece of paper and said, "You're sharing." And, and it's funny now. We say, "Who would like to, sh- you know, volunteer for service?" In those days, we had sponsors who nominated. Three sponsors would nominate one of their pledges, one of their people, and we all had to stand up and say why we wanted the job, leave the room, and then there's a vote. Nowadays, I go to meeting, it's hard to get somebody to volunteer, and, and that irritates the heck out of me. So I'm a cranky old-timer. But, you know, I'm grateful for you guys. From being an only yeah. child, I'm a countless... I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Five minutes left? Did somebody say? Okay, I don't know what time yeah. it is. Okay, five minutes. I'll look at my watch. Okay, so... Um, I, I try to be, you know. this one is called the Bleeding Deacons or the Sublime or whatever. Old timers, you know. So I want to be an old timer. I don't have to be a know-it-all, although I think I do know it all. I know enough. Actually, what I do, I know enough to know that I don't know it all. That there's always something to be uncovered. And so I do that. Um, I approach people who are overweight. I brought Overeaters Anonymous to the Veterans Administration, and they had a meeting going there for a while. And if I see somebody, and I and and it's there. Oh, uh, actually, I did it today at the at the jacuzzi. There was a couple of people there who did that, and I, I shared a little bit. I didn't go into the depths of it now. And I said I lost the weight. The jacuzzi helps my back and all that. I'm, I, you know, I, I do that because if I could save one person's life, you know, it, it helps me. And so, and if I don't by sharing my story, hopefully somebody will get it. I always give my phone number. I think I put it in there to get. I'll, I'll say it out loud again. Uh, call me the. Uh, um, I was in the, I don't know if I totally you, so I think I'm not going to go there. So, you know, um, right now I'm old, I'm, I'm, I'm 81 years old now, got some back problems, which was probably because of all the time I carried all that excess weight. And uh, I'm happy, joyous, and somewhat free. Uh, I met somebody who, who called me to inquire about OA, and we started going out about six weeks ago. And I hope that uh, that situation or that we. Re- connection moves into something else. If it does, great. If it doesn't, I'll deal with it uh, at that time. But uh, I'm just a grateful human being. And as I said, uh, you know, if I shut up now, maybe there'll be room for time for one more person to share uh, whatever they need to do. So, again, thank you for inviting me, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for your share, Hank. Hold on one second. Mm -hmm.